Welcome to Vegas Circle with Pocky and Chris. And today joining the circle with us, we are excited to have former NFL player from the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. He coached for Bishop Gorman High School and was UNLV's head strength and conditioning coach. Uh, we had the pleasure of meeting him and seeing him coach in person at the Institute. Mr. Sean Manuel, better known as Coach Manny. So thanks for joining the circle, Coach. How you doing, man? Pretty good, man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Good to be connected with you guys. Yeah, looking been, forward to it. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's been a long time coming, man. Chris and I got a chance to see you in person, man, and it was honestly, man, it was just a great experience seeing you working with the kids and just how you're able to impact them and get in their conscious and get in their behind fast. Oh, it was <laughs> my passion. I mean that my passion. Loving young people. You have that motivational like demeanor about you. Like immediately it's present. It's one of the things I feel like God's gifted me with in a certain sense. But when your passion lines up with what you're doing, it's automatic. It's it's there on any given day because it's what you love, right? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. That's the biggest thing about marrying what you do and your passion. I, you're, you're always motivated. Yeah. <laughs> you look to pass it on. You know, you're, you're 100% right. And, you know, before we get into kind of what you've been doing, you know, what I wanted to kind of get into real fast is just kind of your personal background, you know. You have a remarkable story, very interesting story. You were drafted by the 49ers. You have a twin brother, Sam, which I, I, I did not know about. And you guys were both drafted to the same team, which is pretty impressive, man, in your household. So talk oh, a little man. bit about well, that. Happy man. day for your parents. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, it was one of the most unique experiences. You're talking about being in, in fairyland to some degree. So part of the story, me and my twin grew up, right? It, it, we we're kind of confused. My mother's Sicilian. My father's Pan-African, right? My mother's second generation. She was she spoke the language and and uh, from a place called Isla de la Femini off the coast of Palermo. So we grew up, we we're pretty confused, right? You got Linguini, Linguini and collard greens going on, right? So, <laughs> you don't know. You don't That's know a good mix, do. though. That's People a good like, mix. Hey, what you, what's your deal? And you're going, what, you guys don't have Chipino soup? <laughs> like what is that and i was like i don't know that's just what we eat in the house uh, kind of deal so we grew up with this unique background we were troubled in a lot of ways and so we we're knuckleheads a lot of insecurity a lot of fear right but you mask it through your anger and your frustration kind of defense mechanism so we're going through all this stuff growing up and people are like these guys aren't gonna make it uh these guys are fighting in in, in gym basketball games they got these brawls going on they got these things going on and so and i had a 17 gpa coming out of high school so, and my twin had an opportunity to go into UCLA, but he's like, nah, I just want to stay with my brother. Kind of deal, which was a unique deal. So we went to junior college. So we went to junior college and we met a disciplinarian, Coach Pete, and the dude was what we needed. I mean, you're talking about kick a dude in the seat in the pants. The guy never called me by my first name, right? There's always some curse word <laughs> that he referred to you in, but it kept me in line. And for the first time at like a 3.5 GPA, it was the best thing that ever happened to me was this guy disciplined the mess out of us. And I give him hugs this day. And I, dude, I love you, man. All the guys, some of the guys talk to you, I hate that guy. So I go, dude, you're nuts. I do his best thing happened to us, right? So we went on to New Mexico State from there. But we really changed in a lot of ways internally in, in, in a lot of the things that we did and how we were, right? And so when we get to the, the New Mexico State, all this stuff had happened where people thought, oh, these guys are going to be Pac-12. They're going to be this. And and we're at New Mexico State, and like, oh, those guys fell off the face of the earth. I guess they're just down in New Mexico State, like the worst team in the country, you know, whatever the case may be. And we finally come around this senior year, and they're like, hey, you know, you guys could be drafted. And we go out to this Niner workout, 
And I was just talking to one of the scouts who's at the Raiders now, but he used to be at the Niners when we were coming through. And he's like, I still remember that workout, man. I still remember you guys came in. You guys killed it. And I said, it's funny that you even remember that, dude. I, it's ancient. It's 23 years ago or whatever. But we went and did this workout. We flew in on our own, had our agent fly us in and say, I don't care, man. I'll go time in their parking lot. We just need to look. People don't think we can play because we're New Mexico State. And so me and him go in there. We do really, really well. Well, on draft day, we're, we're like, hey, I don't want to think about this. So we fly into a thing called Fricknick, right, in Atlanta. <laughs> you have free big. And we're broke, we're broke college students. So, <laughs> so we fly into Alabama and, and catch this taxi <laughs> from Alabama all the way into <laughs> Atlanta and get dropped off in the middle of downtown, right? And then just start cruising. <laughs> oh, wow. Cruising around. We got, our, we got our bags in a bus terminal, right? <laughs> Holding these things here. And, so we got this draft going on and we're hanging out and, and, you know, my mom's like, you got some nuts, what's wrong with you? I pick up this cell phone for whatever reason. I was like, no, they can always call us on the cell phone if they're going to do it. So we're coming back driving and we get this rental car over there, or <laughs> however we did it. And we're driving back to Birmingham, Alabama and the draft's going on and we're, we're disappointed, right? We're really disappointed because I'm, I'm talking to different guys. Hey, we're taking this round. Hey, we're looking at taking you here. And, it's getting later and they're like, I know it's the fifth round. You deserve better, but I'm sorry, but we're going to take your first thing. And, and so I'm like, Hey, whatever, man, just give me a shot. I just want a shot. Yeah. Twins, the same thing. He was linebacker and I was a tight end. So we get halfway through and the Niners call us and it's Mike Slard. He says, Hey, we got two picks in the seventh round. I want you to hold on. We really like to we're really looking at taking you. And me and my twin are in this car and I hang up the phone. I start singing. I turn the music. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, nah, don't worry about it, man. You know, God always has a plan. And dude, this is nuts. I can't believe this. And I'm, he's like, what? And I said, man, they got two picks. I bet you 20 bucks. They, man, there's a chance they could take us. And he's like, really? And so all of a sudden he calls me back and, and we're in this car. And the taxi guy's driving. He's like, hey, Sean, we just picked you with the first pick of the seventh round that we got. And I was like, oh, good. But I don't say anything. And so I'm sitting in the front quiet. My brother goes, hey, did they pick you? And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but I don't say anything. But I go, mm-hmm, yeah, man. But he said, hold tight. And he's like, okay. Now we're standing for the next 45 minutes trying to catch this plane, right? <laughs> now we're in the middle of all this. Right before we get on the plane, they call my twin. And all of a sudden, he's like, I see him. I see his get a big grin on his face. And he's like, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. You know, kind of, you know and then all of a sudden, I go, he hangs the phone. We're in the middle of this airport now. Me and this dude jump up and start hugging. Yeah. <laughs> what an exciting moment. We're going to the Niners together. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And That's so beautiful. when I say unique experience, my, my mother, she's like, you know, all the hassle, <laughs> the nightmare you guys were. I knew you guys had something in you. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really exciting. That, that's the thing I was the happiest about is I saw the pride in her. Yeah. We came in and we started doing all these things. You know, it became, um, you're not famous, but you become you get a lot of notoriety because it's the second time in the history of the NFL and the twins have been drafted. It's the first time in the same round in birth order, they've been drafted, you know, kind of deal. And so we walked away and you talk about a unique experience and being a part of an incredible organization, incredible time kind of deal together with your brother who it's next to impossible. And even through the first year, they would come to me and say, hey, we're going to hold on to your brother. Don't worry about it. You know, cause he had a little bit harder time. It just, he was a DN. He moved the linebacker, but they were letting him, be on the practice squad and they were like hey don't worry about it. we're gonna work through it man I don't want you to panic about that and I'm thinking why are you consulting me man I, I know this is the league I know you guys don't take people Business. into consideration you're gonna cut people yeah. 
They didn't though. They they stayed straight through, you know. And to be honest, they would have done it the next year too when we started going through the year. I just fell apart emotionally, mentally. There were character stuff and, and, and perspective that just needed to change and, and mature and grow up and and walked away from the organization. I go, but when I say phenomenal experience and amazing time and my twin being able to be together, we were as melded together as you could be as two human beings. I mean, and so just the gratitude, the uniqueness, the rarity, I just felt very blessed, very fortunate. Yeah. That's a fantastic story. Uh, that, that gives me uh, goosebumps thinking about that moment in the airport. I just couldn't imagine the excitement. That's exciting. Oh, my gosh. Unique time in life. One of my favorite. What else is interesting is, I mean, playing in the NFI, I know you learned a lot. I want to get into a little bit about growing up, what you were talking about, the mindset of what you had walking away from it. But just a side conversation, what was it like playing with NFL Hall of Famer Jerry Rice? Because Holy it's smokes. just something special. I mean, hey, that's the Michael Jordan of NFL. Walking into that organization, I came from New Mexico State. Completely okay. different deal. Guys did the best they could, but it was far from the level of excellence that existed at the Niners, right? There was a level of excellence from those performance, the standards of performance that Bill Walsh instilled. It ran so deep through that whole organization. I'm talking about the secretaries, the security guy up front. Everybody was held to a standard. Everyone understood what those standards of performance were. And Coach uh, Seifert, who was the head coach then, would hold on to those things like, hey, this is what we do. This is how things are. I just understand this is what made us great. But the players, the players were the biggest guys we held on the standard. And playing with like a guy like Jerry, you watch that guy, I'd never seen such consistency in my life where I watched and went, this dude makes somebody fall down with the same move every day. How do you do it? Like, don't, you don't know the moves coming at this point. <laughs> with the same move. <laughs> dude, this is, I mean, it's 15 times. I mean, so I'm going, he's just that good. Yeah. And when we were in it, you're talking about playing with him. I never forget, we we're in a, a preseason and we we're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I had to go and all the guys were hurt. I'm a rookie. And so I go in and just don't, you know, Steve throws me this ball five yard um, out. And, and this guy, Kevin Hardy's on me. And I'm like, I got open on him. Kevin's Kevin's a monster. He's first round pick. This guy's a stud. And so I get open on him. I catch the ball, but he he wraps me up fast. And I think a gorilla jumped on my back, right? And, <laughs> and, and he takes me down. I go, I couldn't move another step, but I'm at five. We needed six. Who do you think the first person was that came to talk to me on the sidelines? Jerry. It was a preseason game. Jerry. Jerry came over to me and said, hey, dude, listen, it's six yards, man. No, you don't have an option. Six yards. Get to the sticks, man. We needed the sticks. And I'm going, this is preseason, dog. I'm a rookie. Like and, and look, the dude rebuked me, basically, on the sidelines. He goes, we'll get back in, dude. I'm telling you. We're coming to you. Don't. Hey, get the sticks, period. Don't want to hear anything else. And I was like, got it. After that, it doesn't get to talk to me about getting the sticks again. I was like, that's the standard here. Practice. They drove the practice. If you jumped off sides, the guy's like, hey, dude, don't be weak-minded, man. Don't. Break. I mean, it was like you dropped a ball. You could get, you could get cut. I mean, you could get sent home. It was just that level of intensity. So playing with a guy like Jerry, they raised the elevate. They elevated the standard that was given to them, and and they upheld it like century stalwarts uh, in that bad boy. And it made me realize, oh, this is why these guys are so good. It's it's the organization, it's the combination of players, it's the coaches. The whole package here is built towards excellence and success. And so playing with those guys, Steve Young, foof. That guy was as competitive as you can get. Playing with those guys and watching their professionalism was a gift. Yeah. 
You know, it's very interesting to hear you say it because you always think, you know, all the NFL teams are professionals. These are all the best of the best. And what separates the the best from the greats? And it really comes down to those little things, like those uh, that attention to detail and those kind of, like you said, a level of intensity. And I always personally was curious about that. Like, why is one team 0-16, another one 16-0? Like, what's the, what's the difference? <laughs> It was standard and expect. I really mean yeah. I watched it because I went to other teams. I said, hey, it's standard and expectation. I can, it's clear as day to me now because I saw the blueprint. So anytime I got somewhere else, I was like, yeah, man, okay. There's some stuff that is missing here. Uh, that you can see it right away. I'm, when I say it's clear as day, I mean, it was just because it was so crystal clear at the Niners. We had it supposed to, you know, the players came in. It was double days. You're dying, you're getting bags IV, trying to figure things out. Glycogen deficit, your minor depression, you know, with different things. And we, they call a hat day. The players do. Hey, we're going out in hats. We're not wearing any pads or, or a helmet. You know, and every once in a while they got to call a hat day. Well, they got to go out and call the hat day. And Steve Young's like, no, man, you don't do it. And I remember walking out going, Steve, what's the deal? And he was like, no, man, you don't call hat days. You don't do that. We got to suffer. We got to grind. You want to be great? You pay the price. And he walked out with his helmet. And I was like, I got to go back and get my helmet. Out, dude. <laughs> After that talk, you know, and then they made everyone go back and get their hats. The bridge was like, hey, go on and everyone get, it's okay. Everyone get their hats. And so on. Steve shaking his head the whole time. No, man, we don't do it this way. That's not how we do it kind of deal. And so when you see that from the, it's just a unique thing. Like, yeah. Like I said, you experience it. The, the, the thing that you realize is the excellence that you walk away with understanding what it looks like is the big gift. Yeah, I want to get in a little bit about coaching, too, but I want to kind of piggyback on what you were talking about with the mentalities and things like that. Do you think you can teach mental toughness or you think it's just in you? To give you an example of that, a reason why I want to bring this up, not to switch Good sports, question. but obviously Kobe Bryant just went into the Hall of Fame. And the reason why I want to bring that up is somebody like him that tears his Achilles, right? Tears Achilles. He still gets himself up. He still hits, you know, two free throws, walks himself off. You play with somebody like a Jerry Rice. We know NFL, it's not for long, right? We know it's not for long. And I always hear that people play never 100%. What's your perspective on that? I do. So I think there's a part that's in you that's willing to go to a place that sometimes a lot of people aren't willing to go into, right? Like when you're talking about going to going in and, and going, hey, I make the team, but I'm gonna go into glycogen deficit. I'm about to go get four bags IV. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna, I went to heat exhaustion. I gotta go back in the game. I gotta play and start because everyone got hurt. When I look back at the career and the injuries, my watch what other people did and the things they played with, there's something in you that's driven. For me, some of that's inferiority and insecurity, right? It drives me where I go, hey, I want to be better. Um, I don't feel if I don't feel like I measure up, if I do this and I'll measure up. And, and some of that stuff will eat you alive, right? It's not the best motivation. The other part of it is there's a competitiveness. When you see dogs, there's some dogs that got a lot of game and praying. And you look at pit bulls, they'll fight just because that's their nature. Yeah. You see poodles and, and different poodles and, and, and little other dogs, they're not going to fight because it's not yeah. their nature, right? Yeah. And so you go, can you make the, the poodle into a pit bull? Now, this is my experience. And I really mean this. Everything's controlled by the mind at the end of the day. As a man thinketh, so he is. This is Proverbs like 19. And the, the reality of it is that, you know, in your mind, it, the mind is a powerful thing. If you get the right perspective and you internalize the proper perspective and principles, you're capable of creating a why that'll drive you deep into your ability, much deeper than you ever would have went before. Like Nietzsche said, he who has a why to live will bear with any how. Like, if you have the right why, you'll go through whatever you got to go through to, to get it done. You know, that's my family. 
who there's my why I'll, I'll kill i'll kill i'll i'll lay it down for this one you go why and you go cuss i know why i'm doing it kind of deal so when you say do, is it in people this is what i saw though say at bishop gorman i saw guys that came in that i got at o-line and people said hey he's not going to play you're not going to be able to get it out of him the guy's a quitter it's these different things and when i found the kid's frequency and we walked through it there wasn't a wall the kid wouldn't run through and I watched these transformations that were absolutely unbelievable. I saw kids accomplish things that people would have said, hey, he would have never accomplished that because of the mindset the kid adopted, because of the culture that he bought into, because of the disposition. That he was, you know, they say willpower, right? Willpower is the effort of your attention. It's your ability to center the effort of your attention on an object until either you or the object bend to the shape that's necessary for you to become what it is you need to become or to, be, to do the things you're trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at that, I go, I watch kids do that. I watched a group of linemen that no one had a division one offer beat a group of D linemen that had eight division one guys at St. Thomas Aquinas. And I watched these dudes out compete these guys by the end. And there wasn't a guy that was super ultra talented outside of, you know, um, the one the Jacob Asaya on a college level. They were some of the better alignment I've ever coached, but they, from a college level, none of them went on to play division one, except for the one guy and scholarship wise, none of them got scholarships. And so when you say, is it in you? I watch guys that look like it wasn't in them become that because they had the right perspective and they, and they understood the bigger picture. And I've watched guys who've been super, super talented, amazingly talented who haven't done it because they don't have it in them. And it didn't matter what you said, they weren't going to, do it for whatever reason. And so for me, the reality is, can you teach somebody that you can train people to be competitively disciplined by the way that you message and you go about things on a daily basis on the culture that you, you develop and you build, mm -hmm. you can take people to two notches higher than whatever they were and, and, and help them maximize the givens of what they've been, you know, their existence and what they've been given to work with. Right. Is it in you? Yeah, there's some dudes that are. Have I seen guys develop it? Yeah. I've seen guys develop it and go there that people said never. And I can't believe you that that kid is playing the way he is because I would have never guessed that in a million years. Yeah. I had to hear that because I've seen you in action, right? You can hear a pin drop in a big butt. I don't know how the hell you do it, but you're able to just lock in. And I've, I've personally watched it where you're on the field and you're walking in. These young men are locked in. Paying attention to what you were saying. How do you relate life to football? So one of the biggest things I stumbled on was at the Niners, and I'd be, you know, in this state of, man, I got to be better than this guy. And I, it would eat me alive, right? I want this guy to drop a ball so I can appear better. And I'd be like, everyone drops a ball. We're not going to be very good, dude. They had a good mentality. So you got to fix that pretty quick. And so I'm out there going, nah, you know what? I had sat down. I started studying the Bible with a guy, and he was really dealing with my heart. And it wasn't religious. He was just dealing with truth like, Hey, dude, you think you're a good guy? He goes, but you got a kid out of wedlock and you're not over there taking care of him. You brought this kid into this world. Now they don't have a parent. And he said, you think you're a good guy? He goes, you're not a good guy, dude. You're just another weak character, African-American man going around having kids, right? And not taking responsibility for him, contributing to the deficit that we experience in our communities, man. That's who you are. And I was like, I want to fight you, dog. I got to be honest. That's a mean one. 
was grateful because I went, dang, no one's ever said that to me, man. You know what? He goes, let's look at it. Let's look at this scripture. Let's look at this scripture. This is the truth about you. Yep. And I need you to stop being deluded because, you know, it's a fallacy. And so when he, you, you asked me, you know, in terms of my philosophy and you go, he broke me down. And what happened at that point was I started changing my perspective and going, hey, he said, you're a really insecure guy, man. You've got a lot of inferiority. That's what drives you. You need anger to get you to go. He said, the only thing is it destroys you because you go in and start getting self-destructive when it's not there and creating things that aren't there. Like Don Quixote, you go start jousting these windmills, calling them dragons and they ain't true. Yeah. And so I'm in there going, hey, I need help, man. I seen it. And as he helped me, what I started to do is going, oh, yeah, you know what? I can just focus on me being the best version of myself as possible. And the minute I did that, when I felt a level of relief, even when I went out to the Niners, my performance went up. There was a bunch of things that happened. That I went, yeah, this is better. I need to maximize what I've been given. Well, what's happened over my period of time of studying and reading things, especially scripturally, right? What I've seen is there's this law of maximization. In Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he talks about in different ways, but we've been given all these gifts. And when I look at these athletes and these kids, I go, all these gifts have been given and the talent doesn't betray you. The lack of character does. That's what's always betrayed. Never been a lack of talent. It's always been a lack of character that's kept me from maximizing. And so when I start talking to the athletes, the biggest thing is, hey, dude, it's more important who you are from the inside out. You need to understand what you have been given and not let this world start talking to you what you don't have, but you need to work with what you do have. And then this is the question. It's not what you don't have. It's what are you doing with what you do have? Have you made the most out of it? And always refer to different scriptures, like in Luke 12, and you go down to verse 47, it says, where much has been given, much is expected, you know, where much has been entrusted, much is required. Yeah. Like, hey, I gave you these gifts so that you would do something with it. And when you go into Matthew 25, down into verse 25 and beyond, he, he gives one guy four talents, one guy, I mean, one guy five, one guy four, and one guy one, right? And he's telling the guys, he's going, hey, I don't care how many I gave you. My expectation is the same. You need to maximize what I gave you. And the first two maximized what they were given, but the other guy that got one went and buried it. And he said, hey, you're a wicked, lazy servant, man. I'm taking what you have and I'm giving to the guy who risked the most because he knows how to maximize. And so I go, hey, the thing we're obligated to do in this life that will give us the greatest level of freedom is to understand we're not held accountable for what we don't have. We're held accountable for what we do have and that we're, our biggest obligation is to make the most out of that, is to maximize what we have been given, not only for the good of ourselves, but the good of the people around us. And if we do that, we find purpose. You know, we find calling, we find uh, favor, and w- we can help the people around us do the same thing. And that the result of those things is that the quality of life that people live, it grows and it becomes better. So when you say, hey, what's your philosophy? As I've dialed that in, when I talk to the young men, I go, hey, we're going to always deal with your character first. That's the thing we're going to address. We're going to address the things that take away from you. In, in Hebrews 12, 1, it, uh, it talks about let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, right? And when I say these things, the things I think about over and over again, I go, no one puts on a 50-pound backpack to run a marathon. But when I look at the athletes, I go, hey, we're taking on all these dispositions, this negative energy, you know, we're, we're, these self-destructive behaviors that you don't know any better on. You, you just, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. Yep. How do we help you let go of these things so you can optimize who you are? And as I've done that with the athletes, I've watched them grow. It's been the most efficient way I've seen to help people grow, not just in football, mm-hmm. but in life as people and to equip them with tools in their life, like discipline, sacrificing the pursuit of your own excellence, 
you got to, dude, you got to learn how to let things go to be the best version of yourself. Things that you think are worthwhile that really aren't. You're here today and gone tomorrow. You need to learn how to take personal responsibility. You got to be responsible. It's not what's happening to you. It's how you respond to what's happening. Come on, man, let's get it. You got to focus. You know, hey, listen, you got to be dedicated to the truth of the process. It ain't always going to go the way that you want. Life doesn't just work out the way you want, but this is the thing. If you see it for what it is, life's stumbling blocks can become stepping stones to you because the only difference between the two is a perspective. And when we go through these things with the athletes, what you end up doing is equipping them with a viewpoint on life. Like, okay, it's not what's happening. I can always become the best version of myself possible. No one can stop me from doing that. And it gives me control. And we allow the athletes to move forward with this perspective, whether it's for football, whether it's their job, whatever it is, you're equipping them for life. And then it stops being about, we got to win no matter what and sacrifice the kid to my vain glory, my ego and all this other stuff, which, like I said, that's in me. I'm a dog by nature. I'm as competitive as they get. I want to be better than anybody. <laughs> when I walk in the room, I want to be the best. I'll be better than you, dog. You know, I'll be better than you. It's in me. Tempering it has helped me live a more full life. It's helped me to be better for other people. And as a result of doing those things, I've seen the quality that it produces, and it gives me a level of satisfaction in the meaning and the purpose that I've been able to create. And I look to pass it on. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, being a coach, you have to spend a lot of time on the technical aspect of the the role, right? And teach people how to have the correct footwork, do the correct things, be able to read, you know, the plays and those kind of things. But it seems like the thing that you're really passionate about is building up that character within these people to be able to, to really just thrive and, and bring that level of motivation out to, and instill with everybody around it. And it's, it's refreshing to hear you say that where you spend so much focus on that. It means the most to me. And this is the thing too. If you lock somebody's character in where they have the right focus, they throw off the things that hinder them. They maximize who they are. Are they going to focus more on the technique? Are they going to be competitively disciplined in the fourth quarter? I told you, I watched four, five guys. Yeah. Were not, under, gee, in the three overtimes against St. Thomas Aquinas. I watched these dudes lock in and they, this last play, we had to go for a two-point conversion. Like, we're ended. This is going to end the game. Whether we win or not, whether national championships or not, here goes everything. My, my highlight of my my career was watching these guys come back to the huddle and they start looking at each other going, now's the time. This is when we're going to do it. Yeah. Not all of, everything. Everyone goes, we don't leave anything out here. We, I go, dang, this is the third overtime. Who's <laughs> 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 this gas? Their, their hands are on their hips. They, they're yeah. too deep. And, was, and they were gassed. We were one deep. <laughs> I was like, dang, they still got it. And this has been a wave. I mean, this has been a monster they've been dealing with. And then when they said hike, the, the highlight was, all these dudes came off the ball. Everyone got in a perfect fit. And every last dude hit their guy and got to the, I mean, I'm talking about head placement, hand placement, every last one. One guy missed that was a defensive player that came over to, to help out. And he went a little bit wide. And then Biagio came inside and the guy missed and he finished. It. But when I looked at that, I went, look at this dude. This is a thing of beauty. You got three overtimes. The team's got 33 division one guys. Uh, they're number one, they were ranked number one in the country. And I go, these dudes got a perfect fit on the last play that are technical with technical proficiency that I marveled at. And I went, there it is right there. It came because those dudes character was mm -hmm. strong. Their commitment to each other was strong. Their focus was right. We love each other, man. We're going to bleed, you know, love never fails. It says that in first Corinthians 13, you know, where these things cease, but at the end of the day, love never fails. And you go, Hey, we're going to, we're going to grind for each other. And you watch that take place. You go, that's principle. That's character. The rest falls in line and is a higher ceiling when you have those things in place. You have a better foundation and you go higher. So anyway, when I talk about it, I, 
at the end of the day, I know that's how you maximize. I, I've just seen it in my own life and the people around me. Coach, you get in my spirit, man. I'm just, I, I want to ah, put some pads sure. on right now. Go, go really <laughs> no, but but you know what, I, what I'll tell you, man, I, I'm so happy to be able to have you on the platform. I mean, you know, a mutual friend of ours, Jess from the Institute, and I know that's what you've partnered with them over there. You got it, man. And what you guys have over there, the energy uh, of the Institute and what you guys have done is just, it's just an amazing thing to be able to see. Chris and I went and did a, a function for, I think it was like the top 50 you know, uh, high school players got a chance to see you guys in interaction. We got a chance to host, you know, with the franchise and the Institute. But what I wanted you to do is kind of share, you know, just briefly about how you and Jesse connected and how you connected with the Institute and how they brought you over, man, because I heard Jesse talk about you about probably two years ago, man. And uh, you the elite of the elite. So can you kind of share that? So a couple of time and chance, right? Overtake them yeah. on. And, and me and Jess, it was actually Joe Arrigo came and oh, on the camp at UNLV, and he comes up, and he's yeah. kind of crying. He's like, hey, man, I talked to you. And I was like, yeah, dude, what's going on? Why are we whispering? You know, kind of thing. And he was like, hey, um, I got a friend be open to talking to you. Would you be open if they're thinking about doing the same thing out here as Winter Circle? And I said, yeah, I always entertain. Um, I love college. I got some things going on in my family where I need to, they need more of my attention. I got to weigh things out. We'll see. I love what I do. But, yeah, I'm open, you know, to sit down and talk about whatever. So, at, we're going, we got fired from UNLV. And so I'm on the phone with another uh, gentleman I have a friendship with who's a tremendous uh, PT, probably best PT, one of the best PTs around, and uh, Scott Pensifee. And so I'm on the phone with him. And he's like, hey, did you talk to Jesse? And I said, no, nah, someone talked to me about him before. They talked to me about the summer. So he said, hey, I'm going to give you his number. I want you to talk to him because they were just talking about if you could help out and you could consult to do these other things. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm open to talking because I'm in between. And I, have these different college offers and and these other things I got going on, but I don't know that I want to move my family right now. And I'm in this situation. I got this house. It's like 4,300 square feet or whatever. And we got to sell it. I got to leave my wife here to do it. That's not her forte. There's college wives that are used to doing that. I said, my wife's not, we got three little ones that are under five. And I go, this is just a tough racket. So Jesse's like, Hey man, I, are you interested? I'd love to connect. So we met at WeWorks and we sat down and talked and he showed me the vision. And I was like, Hey, if you can pull this off and take care of these things, I'm open to doing it. Um, whether it's over the next year or whatever the case may be to get this thing rolling and get it, get it going. You let me know. It's a novel idea. If we get kids at sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I'm excited about it because I've seen these athletes in college and I've seen what's happened to them. And I really mean this. That's the thing I felt most passionate about. If we can get these guys younger, we can help it create proper, you know, movement patterns, lifting proficiency, lifting technique. We can, we can help them with some of their imbalances. They're causing a lot of these injuries that these kids are suffering by working on their structural uh, chain and their you know, postural control early. And I said, I'm excited about that because I say a lot of times these colleges, I wish I'd have got you in your early, you know, earlier in your career and I could have helped you a lot. Well, that part is what we're, you know, was exciting. And so as we sat down and started brainstorming back and forth and going through things, and this is my big, these things, you know, it built from there. And I've always you know, appreciated Jesse. He's, he, like I said, he's, he's a guy who came in said, I'm going to take care of you this way and do these different things. He has, he's given me a year and an opportunity to take care of family. We're, you know, we're in a restructuring over there and, and doing some other different things and, and, and things are transitioning and changing a little bit, but that, that vision that was there about helping these athletes, introducing them to this type of training and this type of opportunity to be assessed and deal with you know, the structural integrity issues that may, plague them in injury later on if they're not you know dealt with that thing is very much there 
um, you know, the hope is that we can keep pushing through it. It's a, no matter it's COVID, it's a tough racket trying to keep the thing afloat and off the ground and all these other different things. But what I've been grateful for is the opportunity that we have had to be around these athletes and be able to influence them and impact them in these ways. It's been a beautiful thing. And my prayer is, you know, that it can keep going in terms of this type of impact and this type of entity. But with Jess, that was the biggest thing. We, we hit it off. Like I said, he's got a He's got a really easygoing disposition. I came out of college, right? <laughs> you guys are mf -er. You mother -er. you son, <laughs> you son of a, man, we, you know, you, you nose to nose with other coaches, you're yelling at each other's full-grown men. You're like, man, this is a, <laughs> this is a rough environment. Yeah. And so it's good because he's an even kill guy. You know, he comes in, he's like, okay, good. We'll, you know, kind of work through this. So it's been awesome uh, in terms of that. And then just relationship. He brought a lot of good people in. Ron and Katul. Um, Springston, I mean, he brought a lot of good people in with Sue and, and Melissa and, and Oscar and Warren, uh, Trent and, and, and Matt. I mean, there's just a bunch of the guys, you know, um, uh, McCarville and Dion, who, who's awesome. I mean, he's just brought a lot of really, really, it's, it's, it's a really great job of bringing solid dudes and that really embrace the vision and, and really take care of the kids. And it, it showed up. The growth of these guys has been tremendous. And for me, it was it's the, the part that's been rewarding to me is I've done it for a long time. I can go in and transition things pretty quick athletically because I understand things at a certain depth. Right. And, but my big trick was, Hey, how do you get other people to learn how to do it? Not just you do it. And how do you, how do you duplicate yourself or duplicate your philosophy and process to get other people to understand it? Um, Cause it's not easy. And get them to understand these things and grow in these things. And how do you get them to do it in a way that's proficient enough that you can move away from it, you know, and, and manage it from a distance and, and go, wow. And so I'm sitting down with the guys today and Trent's been, Trent and Matt have been working with this guy. And these dudes, this dude's like, hey man, this is the, he's got to try it with the Mavericks coming up. And he's like, hey, this has been the best thing. I've never been exposed to something like this, man. The things are taking me through like with my ankles and this thing and that thing. And I was like, oh, and he's like, I mean it, man. I'm grateful, man. It's worth the money, man. I'm, it's this. I'll be in tomorrow again, man. Thanks. I just never had anything like this. And I'm going, that wasn't me working with them. You know, that's Trent and Matt working with them in the morning on their on their own. And this guy's gotten exposed to some pro basketball and some other different things. He's like, man, this is great. And I'm like, hey, dude, guys, that's a huge compliment to you. But I felt encouraged because I went, oh, yeah, that's really what it's about. How do I help you guys be great? How do I help you guys maximize the coach? And I see that stuff taking place over there. So it's been really cool. Yeah. I love seeing it, man. I mean, it's so funny. We've had Jesse come on a couple of times. It's great to see the vision, you know, come together. Joe's a friend of ours, too. You know, good guy. I've known him. Oh, just he's, just great good. Dude. he's a good people. Just I can great see dude. how you say whispering and everything. He's a good dude. You know, with the Institute and everything, you guys work with a lot of elite athletes, too. Is it? Are you working with the Raiders also? Because I know that there's a lot of different people that work out there. Is that kind of some of your specialties, too, is kind of having a side it, training? It is. So this is the way it works. Deion Hodges has been had it built a reputation and done a great job working with the NFL guys in the community. He came in and was like, Hey, I'd like to go through mentorship with you, coach Manny. I'd like to come in and sit underneath you. I'd like a team with other guys to help out. I really want to go through this learning curve because I feel like I can take it to the next level. He's always done a good job with the guys. I mean, they love him and he does a great job relationally, he really connects with the guys. Right. And so what he's done is he brought about four or five of these guys. It's been four or five, but like Debo Samuels came in to work with him for a week. Um, he, Demarius was just in there today. Um, John Abrams is his guy. He's known him since his ninth grade, whatever the case may be. And he's worked with John to help John in a number of different ways. Keyshawn Nixon, um, Tremaine Johnson. Like he's working with a lot of these guys 
and bringing them in and, and uh, you know, those guys in again today. And what's happened is we've come in together and collaborated where I go, hey, I'm going to do the program and walk you through it. We got to look at these imbalances. I'm going to teach you how to, this is how we reduce the injury. This is how we work against different things, how we build a more proficient movement pattern where these guys are elite, but we can help them even more. And you'll see what I'm talking about. It's not the easiest thing to do initially, but so I write all the programming and then we'll walk through it. And Dion, you know, he moves it around. He's a talented young man. But what's happened is it's had an incredible impact. So we work with that group. We had a bunch of college guys come in as well, you know, USC. And they're like, hey, COVID, I'm, I'm going to sit out. But I'm going to transfer to and go here was the number one linebacker in the country coming out of high school. He ate a um, you know, Tate Martell. There's just a bunch of kids that have started to come through college wise. Dorian Thompson Robinson came through from UCLA, right? He's like, coach, you just want to come in and work. And Tyjon, um, you know, Tyjon Lindsay and these guys have been coming back to get work when they've been coming in. And we've been able to specialize with them, right? Jacob Asaya, who's over at Michigan State. And all these different young dudes are awesome that I, you know, I always have appreciated and I love watching their growth. So we work with them in a specialty. And then we work with the academy on a developmental. And so they're two completely different spectrums, right? Two, you know, we're just going to learn how to stand on one leg over here. And over here, we're going to restore my muscle length tension relationship because you guys just came out of a season. We got to figure out what we're going to do with you. So that's what the academies do. We have that spectrum of guys we work with. Good, we got some solid high school kids. We got some really solid college guys, pro guys. But then we have this academy sixth through eighth grade that we work with uh, in the morning. You know, to help develop mentally. It's been awesome. Oh, what you guys? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, what you guys are doing over there. I mean, I've been over there multiple times. It's a great facility. I mean, guys, you got to check them out. I mean, what they are locked in. Coach Manny is one of the best. I'm not just saying that because we had him on the show. He is one of the best and uh, highly recommended. Uh, getting that mental, you can hear you just talking. You're a motivator, Coach. <laughs> and I know you do some motivational speaking, too. So it's just great, man. Uh, we always ask our guests about Las Vegas. And, and what's your favorite restaurant in Las Vegas when you get a chance to get out when you're Ooh. not working? Because I know you seven days a week, nonstop. La Siena. Or Nora's, the two Italian spots and the Italian American club are in the three top. I, man, it's, it's a place you can go for some authentic. I was born and raised on it, man. So when I go and those are my I, those are my favorite. Those are my go tos. Outside of that, it broke our hearts. It got uh, shut down, but it was um, Cinnamon's Hawaiian spot over there, off of Buffalo and uh, the Parkway, where I was like, oh no, I'm broke. My kids are like, what happened, Dad? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I got I got to say. If you say Italian food, who has the best Chipino then? Dude, Norris had a solid Chipino. Okay, there it is. No, I've been to Norris. I think it's a second the uh, vote for Norris. Yeah, Norris is a good spot, man. I got to try get that the real out. Deal. My mother would my come favorite. out. My, my mother would come out. We'd go to the Trattoria over there at La Siena. They had that deli on the side of it. She's going yep. there for the cannolis and for the and, and <laughs> the ingredients for the building the Chipino. And That's then the godly. I was like, hey, man, this is the spot, huh? She's like, yeah. take me over to the. Take me over the market. I was like, okay. All right. That's so, good, man. Norris, it's, yeah, that's good, man. Those, those are two great restaurants you put on the map, which is great. We had a couple of people talk about Norris. And then what else is on the map for 2021, man? What, what do you want to accomplish this year? I mean, you guys haven't stopped because of COVID, so it's, it's great to be able to see. Um, it's great. Biggest thing is building this thing out developmentally and really trying to get these integrated pieces that haven't really been able to click totally the way we want them yep. to get them to go to get things stabilized over there in a lot of ways from even from a financial and the other different things are making sure we even this thing out. And then for me personally, I mean this, 
be able to do consulting and go out. Um, God talked to me, hey, would you be able to do leadership and these other things at these universities where you go in and talk and David Kitchen with this leadership, edge leadership and be able to get out more and have more impact and be able to talk, be able to consult with coaches, with a high school, wherever the case, we'd be sitting down and going, hey, how do you build this? How do we build a certain level of excellence? What's the curriculum, which I've been doing? It's be able to have a, a bigger impact. They were talking about going overseas, right? With certain training because Europe's and Australia's ahead of us in some things. Be able to bridge that gap and as the, whether it's the Institute or whatever the name becomes, whatever the case may be and going, Hey, how do we bridge this and go out and educate and really help people maximize, you know, not only just their athleticism, but who they are as people. Right. Yeah. That's the big one for this year is that the consulting and, and be able to engage in a big time mm-hmm. way. It's powerful, man. It's fun hanging out with you, coach. We, we were looking forward to this, man. And you just had so many gems on here from spiritual aspect to mental. It's just awesome what you're doing. People reach out to you, man. Where, if they wanted to reach out to you, connect with you at the Institute or how would so, they connect yeah. with you guys? Can you kind That's of give out your so, handles? Or? So, yeah. So, you know what? I, man, I'm the worst with social media. I got it. So, Sean Manuel at the Institute hp.com they can reach out if you have questions you need help with different things whatever the case be we're a resource for the community i say that all the time unlv they're like man you mad about that? i go dude i'm a resource man i help you guys in whatever i reach out to coach Fowler, say anything you need man you let me know i'll help you with whatever it's not a function man it's about help. how do you make people better same with gorman or anything else hey, hey you guys need help with anything you let me know we're just here to help the community in the best way possible well, you guys fantastic. are making an impact you guys are making a huge impact, and I love it. Love what you guys are doing, and I know there's more to come. I've talked to Jesse offline of some of the things you guys got going, so it's it's going to be great to see it in, in, into fruition this year. And uh, just appreciate you hanging out, man, Coach. Seriously, this is great. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. That was yeah. fantastic. Hey, you guys, thank you, man. I appreciate you guys a bunch, man. Appreciate you inviting me on. Appreciate connecting, yeah. man. No doubt, man. It'll we'll work uh, out right now. Yeah, no. <laughs> but you'll be able to check us out at uh, VegasCircle.com. Please subscribe with us. We're on everything from iHeart, Apple, Google, the whole nine. But uh, Coach Coach Manny, thank you very much, man. Appreciate you. Vegas Circle, appreciate you guys.